It's Thursday, January 5th, 2023, and you're listening to episode 605 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 34 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Mary. This is Wayne. And this is Julia. Alrighty, we've had a couple people asking us about the next Fear of the Con. Yeah, quit bothering us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We hate it when you people talk to us or show up <laughs> to our sponsored events. That There's nothing that enrages us more. All right, but so, they don't show up on the chit-chat we're on every Friday. Okay, well, yes. For any of you who are interested, there is a chit-chat. In fact, I think the channel's called Chit-Chat. chit-chat. On our Discord, if you don't know how to get to our Discord, go to feartheboot.com. There's a drop down, and it's not on the mobile site. You have to go to the main site, so the like regular web browser site. And there's a drop down, and it says where to find us. And one of them is Discord. It'll take you to our Discord channel. Every Friday night, starting about 8 p.m. Central, Julie and I have been on there along with several other people. We play slash stream video games and we just talk to people. So if you just want to BS with us or pick our brains on something or whatever, that's where to find us. And we've actually been regularly attending this yeah. for quite a few weeks now, which is why I'm not afraid to talk about it because <laughs> I hate promising things we don't deliver, which we do too much as it is, which is why we've got a couple other things in the work I'm not going to talk about yet. But this one we've been consistently doing for a month or two. So if you want to talk to us or whatever, most Friday nights, about 8 p.m. Central, on Discord in the Chit Chat channel, Julie and I are hanging out with several listeners, just BSing and playing video games and doing whatever. It's sometimes not safe for work. Oh, keep it's that in mind. Almost always not. Safe it's a for Friday work. night usually after wine 7 p.m. Yeah, I just don't think you can booze. count on safe for work. Yeah, agreed. All right. But people have been asking us about when Fear the Con is coming up. And so let me give you guys the basic information. As of right now, our intention is to do the Kickstarter somewhere in February after people have had a chance to recover from end of year expenses like Christmas. And if you're in the U.S., your property taxes and all that silliness. So look for the Kickstarter somewhere in February. And assuming the Kickstarter goes well, Fear the Con The gaming will be on June 16th and 17th of 2023. And if we do well enough to have a comedy night and or wing night, that will be on June 15th. So if you're looking to take time off work, block out June 15th, 16th and 17th of 2023. To keep updated on the most current information on it, keep an eye on the Fear the Con Facebook group or the Fear the Boot Facebook group, or the Discord that was just mentioned. Yeah. All announcements will be made there before we get to an episode, and then the episode has to be edited before you get it. Exactly. Yeah, these episodes are in delay from the recording anywhere from a week to, gracious. Three months. So now that the Fear of Con stuff's out of the way, Wayne, what are we talking about today? So what inspired this topic is, on Monday, I ran a Savage Alpha Flight game. Can you explain what that is? I know it's Savage meaning Savage Worlds. What is the That is actually the whole point of the topic. Savage Alpha Flight was using Savage Worlds with the new Superpowers Companion to run a game set in the Marvel Universe using the Marvel superhero team Alpha Flight which is a Canadian superhero team. 
Okay. So one of the players in this game was Chris Hussey. Yeah. And Chris reached out to me when he first signed up to play the game. And he asked, do I need to know anything about Alpha Flight? And my answer was, no, I am always cool with people coming in with no knowledge of the setting. I will give you everything you need to go. So as we play the game, some of that did come up of some people have more knowledge of the setting than others. Some have more knowledge of Canada than others. And it got me thinking about how much information do you give people about a setting if they don't know about it? Do you know there was a real serious crime spree in Canada where people were stealing the 18-wheelers hauling maple syrup? Mm-hmm. I'm not making wow. this up. No, no, maple syrup, huge commodity. Yes, like, I knew it. It was real maple syrup, not the fake right. fructose not, not, stuff. Not, yeah, yeah, not real maple Mrs. syrup is actually pretty valuable. Mm-hmm. And people were stealing the tanker trucks, like the 18-wheelers, that had maple syrup. This would be a great plot and kind of insulting. <laughs> but anyways, go on. If I run a, logs. if I run another Savage Alpha Flight game, because I already have the character sheets made, mm-hmm. yeah. that is going to be the villain's plot. It's yeah. going yeah. to like tra- be a truck. train run, but for maple syrup. That's exactly. Like what you do. It's, it's the train job. But train job, yeah. but yeah. Maple yeah so I was thinking about that from a one-shot standpoint of when I run games at cons, but also from a campaign standpoint, because I remember my first Battletech game. Okay. I went in and I was overwhelmed because I yes. didn't know any of the setting and it was not new person friendly. Well, and I don't know if I really want to define this in a certain way too, but this could apply in two ways. This is either a person coming into an established setting who doesn't yes. know anything about it yep. or a person coming into a DM created world right. that nobody knows, knows anything, anything about, about because yeah. they yes. have made it. There's nothing published. Because I was going to reference the Epoch of Rysos yeah. as well. Yeah, which is what I'm actually it. already making notes on on this yeah. note card is the Epoch of Rysos Exactly. Game. And that's why I think it's a perfect topic for us to talk about because there are so many different facets of it. And I don't know the right answer for how much information to give. I just know my approach. And my approach is very little information in the beginning and try to trickle it out throughout the game for a one shot for a campaign. I need to give them more More information information. because they're making the characters, not me. Right. Their characters have to fit into a world (laughs) and they have to know something about the world to make characters that actually work. Yeah. I have the same feeling sometimes when like our friends get together and play anything that's related to Warhammer because I didn't read all the books. We have several friends who are really into it. So like they know a lot more than I do, especially 40K. And so we've played games before, and I'm just, like, completely lost. I'm very good at rolling with the punches, though, and just trying to figure it out. But I could see some people not being able to do that. Like, they almost need that context. Well, and I think there are also people who, with uh, Warhammer Fantasy, Fantasy, I had one in. I read one series of novels, and Mm -hmm. it was like, this is enough to latch on to to get an into the world. And I think there are a lot of people who can do that, who can be like, this is the corner I'm familiar with. Can we do something in this corner? In this area, yeah. And if we expand beyond that, you're going to have to tell me anything, but uh, other players may not know anything about this. Right. But I can can help here, or if you don't use this, I'm useless. Okay. And I also have to struggle with when somebody asks the question about the setting in a game, how to give them just what they want. Mm -hmm. If it's a setting I'm excited about, 
I might go into info dump <laughs> yeah. mode. But if they're okay with that, I mean, I don't know. I, I well, it depends like on how much they Even can take if in they're and okay use. at that, right. is everyone else at the table, table okay? okay. Well, because the, the game has now come to a halt. a session, in my opinion. Well, like, it, it depends on session. who's, yeah. yeah. Well, and also you run the risk of they may be curious, but that doesn't mean they won't end up drowning in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, Wayne, unlike you... I am a superior human being. <laughs> wow. <laughs> By which I mean I'm not a ginger, but also. Oh, uh, so you have a soul. Okay. I'm sorry, I meant I'm a human being. But by which I also meant one of the things that I have under my belt is I've run a lot of games that are either very setting dense or are homebrews or both. And so I have a fair bit of experience doing this. I've done it with Battletech. I've done it with Skies of Glass, with Epoch of Rysos. I've done it with even Star Trek because I ran Star Trek, which to the average nerd is fairly well known for people that aren't into that world, that this is their first time playing it. Heck, I'm running a D&D game for my family right now and they're picking it all up. Now they're probably getting to be experts. But when it started off, if I mentioned things like a Dragonborn or a Mimic or something, they'd have no idea what I'm talking about. And so I had to explain everything that was more than elf, dwarf, human, Lord whatever. of the Rings. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Lord of the Rings. I mean, even if you reference halflings as hobbits, maybe like yeah, that's, that's even a, wizards yeah. needed an yeah. explanation because they use they a Vancean system. Than, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they don't look like Lord of the Rings wizards. No. Well, and one of the things I have to watch out for is when you have a decent sized group and you're the GM, and this comes up. And you have people at the table that know things about the setting. You might have the guy that's super excited about something. So let's say Dan's running a Skies of Glass game and somebody asks, what is a GC? All that person needs to know is a very simple, it's a genetically engineered animal. But this but, is Wayne. And anybody who's listened to the AP knows that Wayne. Yes. <laughs> and I start going into, well, they had product lines and they had goals for them and they and. The person doesn't need this. Everyone at the table doesn't need this. You as a GM, you've just lost control of your table because yeah. one of your players is setting exploding at the table. I've seen that happen. Mm-hmm. I say even random things like if a GC dies, its dissected body may be worth yeah. more than it was when it was alive. Yeah. So let me give you some of the techniques that I have used over the years or some of the approaches that I've used over the years. And this comes from failing forward because I have tanked on this in a lot of games prior to even meeting you and figured out how do I explain to people who don't know the setting, the setting. The first one, and this may or may not be possible, and the players may or may not do it, is can you assign them some simple homework? Meaning, can you give them a really short setting synopsis? Can you get on Steam and send them a copy of one of the Battletech video games or one of the Shadowrun video games? Or if it's Warhammer Fantasy, say, you know what? You need to play Vermintide or Total War Warhammer or whatever to pick up the gist of the setting in a way that might be a little more fun than just being setting barfed and actually get a sense of how things work. Very yeah. much a player-by-player player thing. Some players yeah, absolutely. will definitely do it, and it will be great. Some players latch on to this. Some players don't. Sometimes it's because they're lazy. Sometimes it's because they're just busy. When I ran a Star Trek game for my family, at the time, 
one or two of my relatives in particular did not know much of anything about Star Trek. Well, the fastest Star Trek game comes with something called the Gadet Handbook or Gadet Sourcebook that has really short, like one paragraph long explanations in alphabetical order. This is what a shuttlecraft is. This is what a transporter is. This is what a tricorder is. It's very high level, very brief. It's a very short read. And God bless her. She went out, photocopied it all, hole punched it, put it in a binder, and both read it. And then while we were playing the game, if I said something like, are you taking your tricorder? She would flip to the page with tricorder on it, read it real quick, and refresh her memory on it. But some people either aren't going to do this because Mm -hmm. they can't, or they aren't going to do this because they won't. And so homework is not always an option. So this reminds me of my very first gaming session ever. I had never gamed before. Didn't know what gaming was. I was coming new to the hobby. Do you remember what I showed up with, Dan? Yep. Oh. A binder of Shadowrun information. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. For a Skies of Glass game? <laughs> yeah. Oh. It was, it was Skies of Glass information, <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah. It was a mix. Yeah. It was a mix. It was okay. all of the things from the Fear the Boots. Resource page. Resource pages. There oh, were. Okay. Oh, that's okay. right. The, the sample yep. Shadowrun game. game. Yeah. I had made a binder and I put together all the stuff. Now, I hadn't read any of the rules of the Shadowrun type of part of the stuff, but I had all of the Skies of Glass setting stuff in there and I had like the printed out rules, but there were other documents mixed in from the same episodes and because it was part of a Shadowrun conversation. So. Not everything even in the binder was skies of glass, but I showed up with more printed material that was all out of date because it was an old version of the system. Well, so I fall into like, as a player, like both camps. Sometimes I'm just honestly too damn busy, as most of the hosts here know, to be able to do that. Or if I do have time to do it, sometimes I'm so busy brain space wise, I can't hold it. So like you can hand it to me, I can read it and I retain nothing. And that's why I love the Pathfinder FRD. Because it gives you short blips of the things that I've probably been told, but I forgot. So I can just go there. I can Google it. It's not like I'm reading through a source book that pretties it up in like an eight paragraph situation. It's just a short blurb, kind of like the thing you were talking about with the cadet thing. I appreciate those short blips because a lot of times I retain a a little bit of it somewhere in my brain. I need some recall stuff. And to have to go into a game book and read eight paragraphs for one point I was trying to get, I don't want to disrupt the game. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate short blip reminders because it's just my brain's getting full. Mm-hmm. Well, both. And I'm I'm one of those people who will again do both, but in different ways. Where like Wayne with the GCs, I need one thing to latch on to, right. and I will deep dive, and I will base my character around this thing because I can understand it. I can fit into this universe this way. And if I don't know anything else, well, at least I know this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then hold on to that because I'm going to come back to characters. I'm trying to write this in the chronological order that I handle it. So characters are going to be point three. Point two is where is the game going to start? All right, let's say, for example, that we're playing a D&D game and I'm doing Forgotten Realms and you're in Symbia. Okay, my preferred place to run D&D game. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at Symbia. And I'm not going to setting dump all of the Forgotten Realms on you. I'm just going to be like, you're in Symbia. This is what Sembia is like. This is the types of races that inhabit Sembia. These are the major points of interest. This is something that I can give to you in the course of 10, 
15, 20 minutes and not drown you in a lot of proper nouns. And I'll even swap in some kind of placeholders like, okay, this is a port city. If you don't remember its name, that's fine. Just remember it's a port city where this goes on. So I start by focusing on that. In the Epoch of Rysos game, it's like, okay, you guys are going to be human archaeologists that are working in this particular point of space. I'm not going to drown you with the 20 to 25 sapient species in the setting. You guys are only encountering a really small number. So as long as you get, I mean, I'm not even going to explain all the human factions to you. As long as you get the gist of this is where you are, you don't need to understand the world. You just need to understand Memphis. Then we're cool. And that's enough. People may ask about things outside of that, which I'll get to in point three, which is what Mary was talking about with the character concept and latching on to things. But I'm going to start with the minimal information you need to survive in this one tiny corner of the setting. I'm not going to drown you in everything else. For example, in Forgotten Realms, if I remember my names right, there is a somewhat high-tech, high-magic area. I think it's called Lincoln or something to that effect. I Once again, it's been a while since I've run it, so I may be butchering the name. But that's a place where things like gunpowder and a higher level of engineering and also magic exist. They're big on trade. They're very isolated. And when I was running a game, I only explained Sembia until someone said, well, I want to play a really high magic inventor who has a flintlock pistol with 10 shots or something like that. I'm like, okay, you now have asked me about something to where you need to understand something else. You chose this. I didn't tell you this. This was not what I invited you to play. You picked this. And this leads me to point three. Well, so before you jump to point three, sure. one of the things I've done with that is if they're part of an organization, starting off for the first part of the campaign in a location that none of their characters have been in before. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if the players are not familiar with a setting, then if Make, I can yeah. give a reason for their characters to not be familiar with a portion of the setting, I can introduce it instead of to the players to the characters. Yeah. See, what you need to do is you need to start your games the way DC movies end. <laughs> <laughs> Big True. CGI battle. Big CGI, CGI battle. You can't see anything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you don't know where you are. None of this makes sense. And it doesn't even look like the regular world. And the characters are just as ignorant as the players are. I, I will say that is part of my place to start. It's really what my goal is, is to minimize the amount of information they need. In a Star Trek game, I mean, if nothing else, they only need to know about the Federation. And whatever their immediate assignment is, it'd be like, okay, you guys have been asked to go talk to the Klingons. I don't have to tell you about the Romulans, the Tholians, the Andorians, whatever. All you need to know about is the Federation and the Klingons. And there you go, you're done. And with the Klingons, I can describe them in a 30 seconds of high-level adjectives. Warlike, honor-based, technologically lagging behind the Federation at most points in history, whatever. Yeah, I keep that in mind, though. If it's a campaign, I don't want to have complicated things happen in the beginning of the campaign 
that involve a lot of different factions for that reason. Yeah. Where, where players t- aren't going to understand the implications and therefore not understand why this matters. Exactly. I like to start my campaigns, <laughs> if it's a new setting, very small and self-contained and have them grow into some of that. Yeah, all right. So this is, I'm going to switch to Marvel here. Add 15 to 30 minutes to the runtime of any Marvel movie because that's how much time I need to explain to all of my friends and family members that aren't <laughs> geeks what the after credit scene meant. <laughs> He's like, yeah. well, I followed the movie. Who was that in the after credit scene? And Except I'm like, the shawarma one. And I'm like, yeah, that was sit back down. Because the first Avengers movie was... Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, all right, I've got to explain to you who Thanos or Kang or whatever is. Sit back down. And we're going to be here a while. Or who Nathaniel SX is and why he keeps showing up even though they won't make a movie about him for some reason. All right, so point three is the next thing I look at is what do the characters need or want? Not players, but characters. And what I mean here specifically is if someone says to me that they have a high concept for a character, for example, in the high-level setting thing, I mentioned genetic constructs or GCs. Yep. And you say, you know what? I'm really interested in that. I'm really interested in the idea of these highly intelligent, genetically engineered product line animals. Or someone says to me, you know, I'm really interested in the idea of engineering in Star Trek. Or they say to me, hey, I want to be the military attache. I want to be a soldier type character in Epoch of Rysos. Okay, well now they've given me something I know I need to explore a little more. Not a lot more, but I need to give them a little bit of footnote information so they can play their character correctly what's really cool is when you have a player that is one of the readers and let's say marries the gc one and wants to play a gc related character you could give her a write-up for the gc and then not have to do it at the table and then she can come all knowledgeable and explain it to the other players yeah exactly and if the other characters slash players are ignorant of this that's fine that probably fits within the game unless at the concept level, they said, well, we want to play people that are, I don't know, uh, cryogenically survived GC mm-hmm. engineers. Well, then, okay, I should have explained it to everybody. Yeah. But I look next at what do the characters need to know? Because if they're straying from the general concept of what we're doing as a game, and now suddenly there's something unique to them, well, now they're invested in it. When somebody says, well, I want to play a magic user... And we were originally doing a paladin order. Well, I now know they need to understand the Vancey and magic system the D&D uses. I don't need to explain it to everybody, especially if they're new to the rules. But this one person needs to understand it. Yeah, I think that's the mistake I've seen happen a lot in games, is instead of then taking that person for a sidebar between games, that then gets explained to everyone at the table yeah. and half the table yeah. will check out. Uh, exactly. Yeah. If, if yeah. I think if the people don't know what they're playing, starting at the high level of what do you want to be as a group, this is where we're going to start. And, and this and is may- what you need to know for that is better than saying, here's the entirety of the world I'm hoping after three hours of lecture, you'll remember any of this is nonsensical. Oh, absolutely. And, and it may be even useful to step back half a step from where your sentence started and be like, this is where we are starting. You have these options. I want you to do this 
because I can explain this to you in a short period of time. You are yeah. humans because you know what humans are. Even though you don't know the rest of the world, this is what you got. Yeah. Well, yeah. and we've hit on bringing up things when they're important. So in the Savage Alpha Flight game, I used a villain from the comic books. Only one or two people in the group knew who that villain was. So I didn't want to explain who the villain was before they encounter them, because then I'm giving away who the villain is they're going to encounter. Right. So I wait until that moment. Now it is relevant. Then I give a, you've encountered him before. Here's what happened in the previous fights. And that then brought everyone up to speed why this is a big deal that this villain has shown up versus... If I tell them at the beginning, they know, okay, we're going to deal with this villain. Yeah. And that there's a balance there to strike between the reveal and then how much backstory we, do we need to actually care? Right. Yeah, do we care? Yeah. I often look at it kind of like video games, too. Like, if you take, like, a, a, a long-standing series like Mass Effect or something like that, where, like, the first game, everybody's being introduced to the setting, right? It's like nobody's ever played this game before, and you're going through it, but then in the second movie, you've got a little bit more information. So, like, the first part right. of your game is... You're kind of playing through a setting that you don't know anything about. And then by the second one, you know the setting, but there's new characters. Well, that leads me into my next concept, which is I don't want to suggest a tour de realms where it's like, okay, now that we're playing, instead of dealing with a plot, we're going to go around and meet everyone and everything and every concept that exists in this universe, because that gets a little Pretty silly. Pretty sure I played that Lord of the Rings video game, yeah. where you literally just walked around behind the main characters and just did what they did yes, after well, they had already done it. It was yeah. awful. I know exactly. I don't remember its name. I don't either, which is why I, didn't I know say it, exactly it, what game that, I was that talking is, that about. That is the epitome of that, yeah. where it's like we're going to show you the whole world, but not make you relevant at all. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't matter. Right. You are literally just following behind the main characters and encountering what they did. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about and, and i don't awful. want to dig too much into that topic because right. i want to come back to that topic on another episode there are previous episodes with different hosts where that was discussed about playing within a setting mm-hmm. as a future topic i want to come back to that yeah. of how to use a setting without a tour de realms of the set right. right but what i do want to say is i think there is some value in accepting the fact that even if things are going to be plot relevant, they can be trickled out over time. Now, Mass Effect 1 was a bit ham-fisted in this, and in fact, probably the most consistent critique I hear of Mass Effect 1 is that that first number of hours you spend on the Citadel drags on a bit. Agreed. That but, plus scanning every planet. Well, well that, yeah, but that's, yeah. that's, a, that's yeah. an us problem, not like a... <laughs> The, the you don't t- have to do that. that I mean, I'm just ha- a completionist. It, yeah, have to is relevant. Is well, relevant. yeah, you it's like getting all the feathers you, and you don't, Assassin's Creed. You don't have to don't until have to. Mass Effect Two, right? Where that's the way you upgrade your ship, and <laughs> exactly. if you don't do it, you don't survive the collector encounter. Well, there's an interesting but thing in, to think about there too, because for each Mass Effect game, each Fallout game, each whatever game, that is going to be someone's first game of that series. Yes, right. right. I played Mass Effect Two. Before I ever played Mass Effect One, it's oh, like it's like going mistake. into Witcher Two because Witcher One is unplayable. Like oh, it's, it's, I tried it, it was yeah, awful. exactly. But from it's, a game standpoint, Mass Effect Two does a good job of, of re-explaining, inter- re-explaining yeah, it without doing too much, and right. then you go back and play yeah. One, and think, you get all of the. But details what Mass Effect One did, and I think it was perhaps ham-fisted, but points toward a good concept was trickling out the information in their mm-hmm. case. They did it vis-a-vis 
a series of subplots around the Citadel where it's like, okay, I don't know what the Asari are. Well, here's a side quest that involves the Asari, and you have to go talk to the Asari consort. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the internet. <laughs> well, that's that's my aspect too. Yeah, but you know, and then it's like, well, what about the minor races like the Elcor and the Volus? Well, at one Good point, luck. <laughs> at one point, you have to go into their embassy talk and them. talk to them. And the other thing that they had available, which I don't know is really easy to do in an RPG, might be, depending on the RPG, was they had the in-game museum in the form of the narrated encyclopedia, where if at any point you cared, you could pull up the entry on Elcor, and they had a narrated explanation of what the Elcor were. That's but, one thing I've got to give to a couple of MMOs, both... City of Heroes and World of Warcraft have lore things out in the world that if you are interested, you can go and click a sign and read the history and story. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're not interested, you don't have to do that. Yeah, it doesn't matter too much. And I yeah. think that's kind of what figures into what I'm talking about. They encounter a GC for the first time, and nobody was previously interested in them. And all of a sudden, there's an animal dealer where they sell horses. They've got a stable. And they have 12 horses that are each available at a base price. And then there's one horse that looks unusually perfect, unusually sized, has unusually wise eyes, and it's triple the price. And the guy says, oh, that thing over there, different species. And you're like, well, wait a minute, explain to me how. Well, now you're building it organically into the game. You're not yeah. drowning people because people can consume water in a trickle a whole lot better than they can consume it by trying to swallow the ocean. And I don't know why, but I find players will remember better if an NPC instead of the GM gives them the information. Well, I, they're immersed. I think, yeah, exactly. It's, I, it's the same off. reason they get it better from another player, yeah. as it, then or in a video game. St- I mean, whatever, statistically, and this isn't this is perhaps an overly simplified statistic. I, I think it runs something like the average person remembers only about 10% of what they hear, but only forgets about 10% of what they do or experience. And I think that's what the trick is, is move it from a lecture, only lecture them with the minimal entry-level information, get them using it. I mean, like when I'm teaching people how to program, which I have done many times over, it'll be like, hey, Let's sit down and make a simple web page that does basically nothing. It just displays the current date and time and formats a little bit. A little bit of Hello World. Exactly. And I was about to say, every programming class I've ever done hello starts world. with Hello World. Hello World or FooBar or whatever nonsense you want to do. And people start My off with is. that, and then they use it, and they get it. And then it's like, now wait a minute, what if we underlined it? Now, what if we change the time zone? Now, what if we did this? Now, what if we did that? Add your name into it. Exactly. And so it says, hey, so-and-so, the current time is blah, blah, blah. And so you start building on that, and you start with minimal information, get them to use it, get them to apply it. And oftentimes, I think you don't just have to trickle it out. Sometimes they start asking questions. They latch on to something and say, well, how could I get it to do this? Well, now you've got them invested and they're going to follow this information a lot more than somebody who is just sitting through a lecture. Which leads me to my final point, 
which is pay careful attention to the questions they ask. Mm. Because as the game goes on, people are going to start to naturally ask questions. This wizard was willing to trade high-level help in a low-level fight, but wanted the corpse of this monster at the end. Hmm. Now, we know what the wizard is. We know what goblins are. Why did he want the body of the goblin chief? Well, now suddenly you can introduce necromancy or magical artifacts or whatever it is, and now suddenly they have a vested interest in it because it's information that applies to something. It's not just abstract. I'm not just lecturing you in artifacts. You now have the very real concern that a wizard of questionable morality might be trying to make an artifact out of the corpse of a goblin king. And now you have context. That's not only do you have an anchor to the setting, you have interest in figuring out what it's tied to. I think we're going to wrap this one up here because the next episode is a bonus episode. It's on an interesting topic, I think, and it's a whopper in length. So we're going to need some time to prep it. But I think we're going to go ahead and sign this one out here. If you guys have any questions or comments on this topic that you want us to come back to later, don't hesitate to let us know. And beyond that, once again, Fear the Con, Kickstarter somewhere in February. The Con itself on the 16th and 17th with the social mixer, assuming that pans out on June the 15th, 2023. We look forward to seeing you guys there. And talking to you on Friday at Chit Chat. Yep, check Friday on the Chit Chat on the Discord channel. I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. So in case you're on the mobile site or iTunes or whatever, you can see it. But if you can't find it there for some reason, go to feartheboot.com. Once again, there's a drop down at the top. Other than that, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2023. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.